and welcome to Review Systems, your podcast for discussion of primary care innovation, payment reform, healthcare policy, and more. I'm Thomas Kim, here with Audrey Provenzano and David Rosendahl. Today, we're excited to bring you our Journal Club segment, highlighting a study recently published in the Annals of Internal Medicine by Christine Sinsky. Uh, it's called Allocation of Physician Time in Ambulatory Practice, a Time and Motion Study in Four Specialties. So there's been a lot of discussion lately about uh, rates of physician burnout and dissatisfaction, and um, we think that this might be partly driven by uh, physicians not having as much direct face, face time with patients and, and having to spend more time on the computer. So this study uh, really looked to quantitatively describe uh, how doctors spend their time in the clinic. So Dave, how did the study authors go about looking at this? This is awesome. The study was great. We needed this actually in our literature because we were sort of um, failing to really describe what it is um, that's keeping us so busy in primary care. There's been a little bit of literature about that, but I mean, this is really the first time that I've seen it, that it's sort of quantifying that number. So the way they kind of went about doing this, and this was a, a study that was funded by the AMA uh, uh, for a few of the study authors, was they recruited practices. I think there was something on the order of um, 57 physicians in, what, 16 different practices, four different specialties. So it was uh, internal medicine, correct me if I'm wrong, cardiology, orthopedics, and family medicine. Yeah. And um, they actually had, they trained a bunch of medical students who were going to be rotating there anyway uh, into the clinics on a very standardized tool to basically keep track of physician time and to categorize using time and motion studies um, what those physicians that they were observing doing during that time in the clinic. And, you know, I think some of the results are pretty shocking. We'll get, we'll spend a lot of time, I think, talking about that because that's sort of the meat of the study. But I think it's interesting to think about sort of the methods of having direct observations of physicians uh, in the clinic. And, and, and so that was sort of what they did. Um, Audrey, I don't know, what was your thought about sort of how they went about the methods of doing the study? I, I thought it was really interesting that obviously the quantitative direct observation was really important. And as you mentioned, it's really key to have that kind of quantitative data. They were thoughtful about kind of how they set up the study in terms of having two primary care specialties, so family medicine and internal medicine, and then two different types of subspecialties, one medicine subspecialty with cardiology and one surgical with um, orthopedics. And then they kind of looked at uh, different varieties of activities, so activities during the office day, um, direct clinical face time. So that could be with a patient or with staff. So huddling, talking with staff about titrating insulin for a patient, for example, or actually in the exam room with the patient, um, time in the exam room. And they split that out into direct clinical face time, which is when they were actually interacting with the patient, um, and then EHR and desk work in the exam room, which we all do. And then the home in the evening, like I said, which was more straightforward, and that was um, reported in the diary. And that was that was the table one that you're sort of referring to, right? Is that sort of standardized categorizing what doctors are actually doing during yes. their days? Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. I, I I also want to mention uh, in table one, I think it's buried down in other tasks, crashed or frozen technology. <laughs> I I think <laughs> I've, I spent. I've never experienced that. No, so. never. That's never happened to you. But what they the didn't time. tell us is is which EMRs were crashing. But I it looked know. like the study. It looked like the study that we'll get to, and I think Thomas, you you can lead us through maybe table three, but um, it's and and some of the other tables about sort of the methods. But it looks like they used a whole bunch of different EMR they did. systems. They did. They were so thoughtful about that too. It didn't really matter. 
which EMR vendor they were using, they were still much of the time was the same. Yeah. Yeah, they they did try and pull uh, data from lots of different um, parts of the country, different types of practices. Uh, they included um, eClinical Works, Epic, Allscript, Centricity, uh, NextGen. So so in uh, Athena Health too. So most of the major uh, EHRs out there. Uh, was and, represented. And then in terms of the actual observation, so they, it looks like they hired medical students to do that um, and use this uh, instrument called Wombat. Have, it, have either of you guys ever used it? I, ha I have not. Yeah. But I'd be, I'm, I'm curious about Wombat. I'd actually be curious. I would love to have somebody like Wombat my clinic and see what, <laughs> see what I'm doing with my time. Right. So when I saw this study, it was pretty exciting to me because there's been so many things over the course of, uh, you know, uh, my clinical practice in the past where you want to demonstrate to your clinic director or the operations people um, uh, what you're investing as you're implementing this or that workflow change. And I've dreamed like I'll keep a stopwatch <laughs> on my body and just click it as I'm doing new things, uh, but it's just not feasible. Right. Um, and um, so this was a nice way for them to really capture all the work that doctors really do. Yeah. Rather than just uh, CPT code nine nine two one four nine nine two one three, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like right. all the other stuff that doesn't have codes associated with it, right? Or billing Absolutely. codes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, I mean, I thought it's like, it's great. And, I, and I'm curious actually to see this Wombat tool. I think it's actually, you can look at it in annals in the supplement, which uh, if people are listening to this, they should go and check out the Wombat tool. Work observation method by activity timing. I think it's a pretty standard instrument actually. And um, it's not perfect. Clearly there was some challenges on the inter you know, inter-rater reliability um, on certain tasks, um, certainly around the direct clinical FaceTime in table two, but some of the other um, uh, time spent percentages looked like they were pretty good. Okay. So what'd they find? <laughs> so I, I found, um, you know, some of the headlines that were came out of the, out of this study, right. In the national press was that basically for every hour of clinical face-to-face -face time with a patient, there's an additional two hours of non face-to-face -face work. That was sort of how it was billed to the media and mm -hmm. the press. Um, and I think it's actually pretty accurate that, I mean, that there was a tremendous amount of time, right? So they said, they found that while in the examination, uh, so, so that, sorry, during the office day for, for these four specialties, physicians spent only 27% of their total time on direct clinical face-to-face -face time with patients, right? And 50% of their time or 49% doing the EHR and desk work. So 50% of the time is, is on the computer and 25% roughly with patients. And then the more depressing part for me is that of that 25% of time with patients, another really only, you know, 50% of it is actually with the patient and another 30% is doing something with the computer. Yeah. I don't know. Is that, is that how you guys interpret it too? It is. I, right. I think this also for me reflected, um, you know, what I think, what I think my practice looks like also, if I'm in the exam room with the patient, about half of it is spent uh, talking with the patient, but I still need some time um, they, they call it about 37% of the time. Yeah, probably about a third of my time is spent still reviewing things with them, uh, putting in orders, uh, etc. So uh, it seemed to be reflective of that. I, I was a little unsure because, um, right, the, the media headlines were very much, uh, you spend twice as much time on the computer as talking with patients. And um, 
you know, the numbers didn't quite add up for me. The EHR time was 49% and the direct clinical time was 33% of the time. So um, I, I wasn't sure if they were including the time at home because they did ask some of the physicians to um, keep a diary of, of how much work they're doing at home. And unfortunately, I thought this was a weakness of the study was that uh, it, it was voluntary, so not all the study participants came back with um, a description of how much time they spent. So I, I, it's hard for me to tell whether the people who didn't were just extremely efficient and went home on time and didn't have any work to do at home, uh, or the patient or uh, the, the the subjects who went home and did work were just the ones who were spending actually lots of time with the patient uh, face to face. Um, but all in all, the, the the data seems to, for me, reflect you know my reality. Yeah, I agree. There are a couple of things that I was frustrated about this. I wish that they had split out the physician time spent on the various tasks by the specialty um, and subspecialty. Um, I think that would have been interesting to see. And I mean, you can infer some from just from the raw data, none of the primary care practices like the IM or family practices had any documentation support, but the orthopedics and cardiology, I think all of the practices, I think except one, had some kind of documentation support, so either uh, dictation or scribes. And, um, you know, there's a really yeah, I, I found, dramatic Yeah, I found that remarkable. There. Yeah, I found that really remarkable yeah. and sort of telling in some yeah. ways. Oh, completely telling, completely telling. Yeah. Um, um. I mean, I guess part of it is that the type of documentation we do in primary care is maybe different than for a cardiologist and orthopedist. You know, they're usually writing a letter back to the primary care doctor, so it's maybe easier to dictate that than a, you know, a progress note. But I don't know. I'm sure I could dictate a progress note a lot faster than than typing. But Yeah. I mean, I think it's actually, it was a pretty interesting study just to get sort of this raw data of what's mm -hmm. happening in the practices. I think there are some, there are clearly some limitations with the study. They sort of, the authors kind of mentioned some of the things, limitations, they didn't really correlate for age. And I mm -hmm. think certainly that would, that would make a big difference in terms yeah. of practices, people's ability to use the computer, right? And, and sort of the perception is that, um, whether it's true or not, is that the older doctors who have not used the computer may not be as fast with it, uh, may fumble a little bit more. But um, I think that was one of the interesting things they talk about. Also, they, they mentioned the Hawthorne effect of just being observed, yeah. right, may change people's behavior with, with patients. And I'm sure uh, it did. I mean, there was two practices that, you know, agreed to, to participate and then withdrew um, after they had some turnover in their clinic saying that they couldn't cope with anything extra. So that completely suggests that there's... Hawthorne effect going on, right? Plus, right? These are these are uh, you know people who are invited who are okay with having observers, right? Mm -hmm. And okay with having medical students in the practice, which by definition sort of narrows your scope in terms of what kinds of practices are willing to do that. Uh, right. You get the sense that these are already high functioning clinics uh, that uh, mm -hmm. may have already maximized their efficiencies. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So just in terms of sort of if you had to do like a Rotten Tomatoes thing um, <laughs> and sort of rank, in, I don't know if this gets like five Rotten Tomatoes or something about sort of clinical practice in, in primary care, <laughs> not just primary care, but ambulatory care, you know, how meaningful is this paper um, in terms of sort of moving us forward in terms of thinking about care redesign and policy? So just to be clear, it's, it's more Rotten Tomatoes good 
Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> we should probably define what the scale means. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. For me, uh, I guess rotten to- the more Rotten Tomatoes is the more distressing it is. Well, so five, ro- five Rotten Tomatoes would be like, oh, man, this is just terrible. This makes me feel so depressed about my job. Well, I mean, I would give it five Rotten Tomatoes there because it does make me depressed about my job. But uh, I think it's it's it feels completely right to me. Um, but I mean, all that said, I think that it's such an important study to do. We need to demonstrate to policymakers and clinic administrators that, you know, adding one more checkbox really does make a difference in the care that we can provide to our patients and the doability of our jobs. And this is the kind of data that we need to to, to advocate for ourselves in that way. Yeah. I don't know. Thomas, you have your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think that the, the question I'm really left with is, you know, EHRs really aren't going away and they're, 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 a, they're a useful tool in a lot of ways. So uh, I'm, um, if, I was a, if I was a surgeon, obviously, then I want to spend as much time in the OR taking care of patients. Uh, part of what we do in primary care is to manage um, the chart and manage, uh, put in orders and to write letters and coordinate care. So uh, I, I'm not, it's nice to have a sense of uh, what people are doing and what, but I'm just not quite sure what is the right amount, what is the right amount or what is the right breakdown of time we want our primary care clinicians to be spending with patients versus with the chart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because you're not going to get that down to zero, uh, but you do want uh, the time you spend to be value-added. Uh, you don't want to take away from the relationship with the patient. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just not quite sure what the target is uh, once we quantify this. Where do we want to get to? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, I yeah. think for me what, what, what makes me really interested is I would l- have loved to see if there's a study, and there may be, um, before the EMR, right before the HR, what was the time and motion study for physicians with paper mm. charts? Oh, that's and interesting. To really get a sense of what was the work life then, yeah. um, in terms of fake direct clinical face to face time and how much of I think that there was still a significant burden of this time. That's you know what I would describe as non clinical face to face time. There was still a lot of documentation. There was mm-hmm. still a lot of paperwork. Um, and probably a lot more time spent tracking down results of things like pieces of paper from faxes and things yeah. like that yeah. that you no longer have to do. But that said, like, I just get the sense that the burden of, of the technology is, is just somehow slower. Um, and we and that this number of, of how much time we spend is like, um, or at least like the direct measurement just seems like a tremendous amount. Right. So for a 15 minute visit, there's really an additional 30 minutes of extra work yep. uh, that we really need. The policymakers really need to understand in some ways that, you know, when you're that 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 time should all be <laughs> right. That should be all factored in into sort of the payment as opposed to right. sort of a 15 minute visit. Right. And it, not just into the payment, but the volume that we're expected to see. The volume. Right. Exactly. You can't you can't see 20 patients doing that. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, also this paper brings out uh, the potential for scribes. They don't really detail out uh, if the breakdown is different for scribe-led uh, clinic visits. But um, the question is left there that if a scribe can do a lot of the uh, uh, data input and um, uh, manual work while the physician can focus on some of the cognitive and relational aspect of the job, uh, is that more efficient? Um, and 
uh, I think that that question gets raised in this in this uh, paper uh, very appropriately. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. So interesting paper. I think it's I think it's like a really interesting one to look at, and I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to cause people to talk about it. I think it's going to get cited a lot, mm -hmm. actually, um, and be pretty influential in terms of ambulatory practices. All right. Thank you so much for listening to our Journal Club. What do you all think? Do these findings ring true to your experience? We'd love to be able to get some listener input on how to rate the manuscripts we look at in Journal Club. We haven't come up with a rating system yet, and we'd like to be more creative than using Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think? Should we use RVUs? How many RVUs would you give this uh, manuscript? Or maybe doorknobs of chest pain? We would love to hear from you. Uh, we're going to put out a poll on our Twitter feed. That's our handle at ROS Podcast. Please participate, or better yet, just tweet us your suggestions for a rating scale. That's ROS Podcast. Finally, please check out our website for links to the paper we discussed at www.rospod.org. Drop us a line at contact.rospod.org, uh, and you can just send us your feedback, suggestions for future shows, or any um, articles you'd like us to review in our journal clubs. I'm Thomas Kim. Signing off for David Rosenthal and Audrey Progmanzano. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week. <laughs>